September 12, 2023. We're in Masechet Beta, and if you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's seven lines up, two words before the end of the line where the Gemara starts with Tanur Rabbanan. This morning's class is dedicated in loving memory of Simcha Bat Zakiyah. Amen. The Gemara here, for our purposes, starts with Tanur Rabbanan. It's a Beraita. And if you recall, in our Mishnah, we distinguished between two types of animals, the madbariot, the animals that are found, well, quite literally, in the desert, and the bayatot, which literally speaking, is those which are found in the home. Now, the Mishnah told us how to distinguish between them, which this beraita will explain differently, but in terms of halakha, which was the primary focus of the Mishnah, they have different halachot as well, whereas the bayatot, the ones that, so to speak, are found in the home, you can slaughter, and the Mishnah added in, you can give them water to drink, um, those in the madbariot, uh, you wouldn't be able to. How do you define madbariot and bayatot? The Mishnah had one definition. What's the issue of the madbariot? As Rashi explained to us, it's mukseh. It's not in the person's mind entering into the holiday. They haven't set them aside for consumption, for usage on the holiday. As opposed to the bayatot, those, are, so to speak, those which are, so to speak, found in the home. This beraita will initially give a different definition with regards to the distinction between bayatot and madbariot, but then what the Gemara is going to focus on specifically is one of the opinions mentioned over here in this beraita. That'll be our conversation throughout this sugya. So it says the beraita, Tanura banan eluhen madbariot ve eluhen bayatot. The following is the definition of those animals which are the madbariot, the desert ones which are forbidden for consumption and for slaughtering on Yom Tov because they're considered to be mukseh, and the bayatot, those which are permitted. Uh, well, let's start with madbariot. It's those who leave the city, leave the urbanized area around Pesach time where the weather gets better and it's easier for them, I guess, to protect themselves out of the city on their own and they only return to the city at the time, as Rashi writes, of Cheshvan, of Mar Cheshvan, uh, the first rain season. That is Madbariot. The Mishnah again defined this differently. The Mishnah had it where they're sleeping at night to a certain extent. But that's the definition here in the Beraita. Furthermore, Ve'eluhen Bayatot. How do you alternatively decide, decide and determine what Bayatot, the permitted animals with regards to slaughtering, uh, giving the a beverage and, and eating? It's those who, even though they go outside of the tehum, the 2,000 amah, outside of the city, they nonetheless sleep, at all times it appears, inside the city. That's the first opinion here in the Beraita. Rabbi Omer, this will be our primary focus, the opinion of Rabbi, Rabbi Udahanasi, Elu elu bayatoten. Both of the animals uh, with the tendencies in ways that were just described are permitted. They're considered bayatot. Even the ones that leave around Pesach time and return around Mar Heshvan, the Revi'ari Shona, Ela, Eluhen Hamadbariot. What are the forbidden animals, the ones that are considered Mukseh? Koshi Oseot Viroot Ba'afar, Ve'enichnasot Layishuv, Lobi Motahama, Ve'lobi Motahageshamim. It's the animals which are all together and completely removed from the city. 
always in the afar with an aleph, in the desert, desolate area where human beings are not dwelling. That's the definition, that's the only definition, a lot more permitting, but ultimately speaking, there are animals, according to Rabbi, which are forbidden. It's true, it's narrower in scope, it's only the animals that are always outside of the city, but those animals would be forbidden. Says the Gemara, wait a second, that's an assumption that we have in the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi then is accepting the concept the entity known as mukse. He's saying there are certain animals which are prohibited, which are restricted for consumption, for slaughter and usage on the holiday. Those are the madbariot. Definition, he disagrees. But fundamentally, he does agree there is mukse. I might say, of course he does. You might then be forgetting a lot of what we learned at the very least in the first Perek, but throughout Masechet Beza, there is a machloket, a dispute between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. We cited it on Daf Beta Mudalif. It in turn, according to Rav Nachman in our first Mishnah, was the machlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. The question is, Mukseh, that entity known as Mukseh, not all the derivatives of mukseh as we know them today as they're explained elsewhere in Talmud. But the mukseh with regards to something that wasn't prepared before the holiday. The classic example, if you recall, Rashi cited it for us. The very beginning of the Masechet is motar ha-shemen shebaner. If a candle was burning with shemen, with oil, and the purpose of that oil in turn was for burning, but it's left over. Can I now use it for other usages? Can I use it for cooking? Can I use it for eating? and so forth, mukseh. Rabbi Uda says, asur, mukseh. Rabbi Shimon says, permitted. It means Rabbi Shimon, in the words of the Gemara, let le mukseh, this concept, this entity, this restriction of the rabbis doesn't apply, neither on Shabbat or on Yom Tov. Well, that's a question, as we saw in the Gemara as well. At the very least on Yom Tov, says the Gemara, umi it le lirbi mukseh. It means yesh. Does Rabbi really maintain this concept, this isur, this restriction known as mukseh, v'ha ba'aminer bishimon bar rabbi merbi. Didn't the son of rabbi, rabbi Shimon, ask him the following question? And of course, from the answer to this question, we're going to be able to understand that rabbi is completely lenient when it comes to mukseh. He maintains, no, it appears from the words in a moment, no concept of mukseh. Then how come rabbi was just a moment ago telling us, well, sometimes you have madbariot, it might be far and in between, but there are animals that are forbidden. That's not consistent. I thought mukseh is not something you talk about. I thought mukseh... Maybe, we don't know that yet. You know that, we're gonna find that out in a moment. Uh, but even that mukseh is not this one. Hang tight. Um, says the Gemara, um, we may have touched upon it earlier in the Masechet as well. Didn't Rabbi Shimon, the son of Rabbi, ask him the following question? here between Rashi and Tosafot, the specifics. Um, according to Rashi, it's a reference, either way you slice it, it goes as follows. It's dates, we'll des- describe the details in a moment, it's dates which are not immediately the way you would eat them. According to Rashi, it's because they need to collect in some sort of basket. You place them all together, the heat or the, the existence of the, the dates all next to each other helps their ripening, that's the case, and so it's before they're ripened. Um, alternatively, according to Tosafot, 
they might be ripened, but you're going to slice them because you want to make them taste even better. It means that it's what the words we would use in halachic uh, terminology, mechusare ma'aseh, they're missing an action before they're going to be consumed. I said, you, I, believe it or not, I was very careful with my words, purposefully, Eli. I said, it's not the way you would eat them. Go back, listen to the recording. It's not that they're not inedible, because inedible we'll talk about in a moment. It's a very important point Eli's raising. I'm just saying you're not correcting me. Um, in, in other words, these items, either way you slice it, are edible. You just want to ripen them to the extent that this is the way people would eat them. It's not that you can't eat them at this state. That's really the question that's being posed, right? In other words, that's, that's why Eli says that. In other words, the question that's being posed is they are edible, but you're not really at the state where you would eat them. Are they in turn entering into the holiday on your mind? Well, I could eat them, but I'm not going to eat them. Are they mukseh? All right, that's the question that Rabbi's son, Rabbi Shimon, asked him. What was the response in turn? This is going to be the telling line. Amar le, Rabbi responds, En mukseh le Rabbi Shimon ela, and here's Nathan's point, gerogarot v'simukin bilvad. According to Rabbi Shimon, who's the lenient opinion, who says en mukseh, he does have one segment of mukseh. There's something that's just so far out of sight, so far out of mind, that even according to Rabbi Shimon, this is mukseh. What's that? Gerogarot v'simukin, which is the reference we've had several times over the course of our Masechet to the following situation. Fruits of some sort or another. It's over here. Simukin are, um, you're making raisins. Gerogarot, I think you're taking figs and you're drying them. Now you took those fruits, which initially might be edible, but once you brought them to your roof in order to dry them, they're in an inedible state. In that inedible state, Rabbi Shimon looks at those and says, Mukseh. Nobody eats them. They're inedible. That's not, a, that's not something that's fit for consumption. That's Mukseh according to Rabbi Shimon. Nothing, anything otherwise. Which means to say, according to Rabbi's interpretation then of Rabbi Shimon, the only time we maintain this restriction of Mukseh is Gerogarot v'simukin. It's so far out of sight, out of mind, because it's inedible that it's irrestricted and the rabbis say you shouldn't be able to use it on the holiday. That in turn poses the question, this is what the Gemara is asking. So Rabbi, the Madbariot, the animals which are out of the city, they're like the Gerogarot v'simukin. Oh, come on, that's not the same thing. Those animals are alive, they're well, they're edible in the moment. They might not be in your possession, they might not be close to you, it might be harder to catch them and to deal with them, but ultimately speaking, those animals might be somewhat on your mind. That's the question the Gemara asks. So in the one hand, Rabbi told us that Madbariyot, he gave us a definition. On the other hand, he said, according to Rabbi Shimon, there's no Mukseh except for Grogarot v'Tsimukim. Well, which one is it? So of course, you might, well, we'll read the Gemara, suggest three answers. Go ahead. On the animals, we're uh, clearly talking I mean, that's what the Mishnah seem. Uh, why else are you using? Why else are you slaughtering them? On the holiday? No, it's, if it's for an immediate usage. Keep in mind, we're talking about an, it's you're, you're slaughtering it, which is the real issue. Right. What are you slaughtering it for? You're slaughtering it for food. It's an int- no, it's an interesting idea. If that were the case, though, then we should, it would have been easier. What Jeffrey's suggesting is, since it's a desert animal, maybe it's not edible as much. And that's the distinction. 
If that were the case, the Mishnah didn't need, we don't need to have this whole long machloket, what is madvariot, what's not. Uh, clearly the issue is it's just not on your mind. In other words, it's not that it's not usable. If it's not usable, so then everyone should agree. If it's not usable for consumption, that's mukseh. Instead we're discussing, it sounds like it is usable. The assumption is for food. The question is what's on your mind. It's more conversation on your mind. That's why we have a machloket about it. Uh, but interesting take on it. Nonetheless, it says the Gemara, I have three answers for uh, this seeming contradiction within the opinion of Rabbi. That's really what caps off the, ma- ma- the Masechet. Iba'it ema. Iba'it is a compound word. Im tirse. If you want ema, you can say. First answer. Hanename ke gerogarot dame. First answer is these animals out of the city where you don't see them. Yeah, they're just like gerogarot vesimukin. What's that? They're so out of your mind to the extent that. Mukseh. But what do you mean? I'm thinking about it. It's not that it's inedible. Mukseh. Uh, the truth is, gerogarot vesimukin, what is it that distinguishes them from others? Rashi, over here and elsewhere, suggests it's two things. Number one, they need an extra action. Number two, um, yeah, so Rashi writes, uh, look on the left-hand side, ela gerogarot vesimukin, shehen mitehila reuyin laachila. They were initially edible. V'hudaha otan biyadayim. So gerogarot v'simukin, you pushed it aside. What did you do? You brought it up to your roof. You started drying it. And, and then therefore inedible until they become dried out. So there's really two features, two facets. Number one, you did an action, it sounds like, by gerogarot v'simukin, and number two, you still need to do something in order to make them appropriate. The Gemara, interestingly, stretches madbariot and says, well, it's the same idea. Where you actually dohebiadaim, you didn't push them out of your home. The Gemara's assumption is that that is not per se part of the requisite, you know, details with regards to mukzeh bishimon. It can be so far out of mind that you didn't even push it with your hands, so to speak, and it's still asur and considered mukzeh. First answer. Second answer. The second answer of the Gemara is rabbi. In the bottom line, on Dafmema Mudalif, when he's answering his son, he's talking about Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Who said he maintains that opinion? His son asked him, according to Rabbi Shimon, what is considered muqseh? Is patzi'ileh timra, are those dates which are edible, but you're still going to do another action, are they considered muqseh? His response is, no, that's not muqseh. Now, that doesn't mean that's his opinion. He's talking about Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Our Mishnah, this Beraita, which is cited in the Gemara, is talking about his own opinion. You come into the class, you raise your hand and say, Rabbi, according to what I heard in this class, what would you say? I answer you. According to what you heard, it would be this. I said, okay, Rabbi, is that your opinion? That wasn't my opinion. You asked me according to that. The second answer of the Gemara. Rabbi Shimon is an opinion who maintains there's no mukseh. Rabbi is explaining his opinion. Rabbi himself, he maintains like Rabbi Uda. Yes, mukseh. Second answer of the Gemara. Last answer of the Gemara. Alternatively, quite the opposite. Rabbi maintains in mukseh. 
Indeed, his opinion is like Rabbi Shimon. Now keep in mind, this is all very significant. Whether Mukseh, according to Rabbi, is an operative issue or not, it's really going to be very important to us. Rabbi is the uh, redactor of the Mishnayot. We care about his opinion. Yes, Charles. Mukseh, entering into the holiday, you were dohebi adam and they're not ra'ui la'achila. Mukseh. That's exactly the point. You know what I'm saying? In other words, otherwise you're not eating. From, they're inedible. You're not eating from The point is they became edible on the holiday, on Shabbat. They're still, they're still asur. Because entry, again, the, uh, the issue is the entrance to the holiday on Shabbat. It's entirely inedible. It's not different than the, than the pigs. Edible, but you want it anymore. I, I hear you. I'm asking that question. Is it entirely inedible? I mean, uh, yeah. No, just not so great. Hard as a rock, okay, hard as a rock. Then it's not going to be edible on, the, on Shabbat or holiday either. I, I, we'd have to test this one, but you have to check and tell me, is there going to be a situation where, I mean, the, I don't know the question, well, nobody's ever asked me these sorts, nobody knows these halachot, but what I'm saying is, are you going to find a case where it's literally, as Joey's suggesting, inedible before the holiday or before Shabbat, and on Shabbat it's edible to the extent that now you want to cut it and put it in your salad, the avocado. If you do, if you do, mukseh. If you do mukseh, I'm just saying I don't know that you're really going to find that. It must have been, it, it goes from inedible to edible that you're going to use that quickly. If it does, mukseh, indeed, it's exactly the case. I know, I don't think so. I think it goes slowly is what I'm saying. I think it goes to it's softer, but you wouldn't be eating it, but you could eat it. Two, now I want to eat it. I don't think it goes from inedible to edible. But I, again, unfortunately, I don't make salads. I don't know about such matters. Uh, but that's, that's, my, uh, that's my, my general understanding. I've, I've sliced a few. Uh, yeah, we got to ask. That's right. We'll go check in Uri's. Um, he doesn't know about uh, not ripe items. Anyway, but, so the Gemara then, the last answer of the Gemara is that fundamentally Rabbi Shimon, quite the opposite, doesn't maintain Mukseh. He doesn't have a concept of Mukseh. So then what's going on in our Beraita? He's speaking quite the opposite to Hachamim. You guys, rabbis, you maintain a concept of Mukseh. Beautiful. Very nice. I respect you. Let me tell you something. In your world where there is Mukseh, this type of animal, which is in the city but goes out at specific periods of the year, that's not Mukseh. That's what he's speaking to them. Again, He's speaking according to the Hachamim's opinion. According to me and Mukseh, I maintain fully and completely like Rabbi Shimon as he spoke to his son. But according to you, you'll nonetheless agree and, uh, uh, with me, you'll submit to me. When they go out, Pesach time, during the warm season, and they only return during the first rain season, and that's considered not Mukseh. The Amrule Rabbanan, and in turn the Hachamim agreed to him. No, lo, Madbariotem. We disagree with you. That's Madbariot. In short, the Gemara concludes for us with three different answers as to how to resolve this seeming contradiction in the opinion of Rabbi. But fundamentally, the question is one which we, for all intents and purposes, a beautiful closing of the Masechet, start the Masechet talking about Mukseh, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yehuda. We ended talking about Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yehuda, Mukseh again. Yeah, what, uh, one more time? You're suggesting that when they're in the city... They come back from that point in time. So they are in the 
So then you're, they're on your mind. In other words, what is the period of the year that they're talking about over here when they're saying that it's off your mind? So I'll tell you what seems clear to me. The fact that we're talking, this is, this is the way I understand, the fact that we're talking about from Pesach until Mar Heshvan means that during all the holidays, they're quote-unquote off your mind. So the issue only arises, right, in the periods of the holidays when it should be off your mind. And indeed, Nathan, I'm agreeing with you, if you were to have them when they're in the city, it wouldn't be Mukseh, but we're talking about Ilkhot Yom Tov for that reason and slaughtering it then. Hadrana alach mishilim perot vesalika masechet betzah.